0: Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, we've got some big news in Bengals land. <laughs> Brian Callahan hired as the Tennessee Titans head coach yesterday. So many implications for the for the Bengals on their coaching staff. And we will get into what this means for Brian Callahan. I think, you know, you and I are both very happy for Brian and very excited for Brian. And after all the work he's put in Cincinnati and to get his own chance to kind of lead his own team. And we will get into all of that uh, and what it means for Brian. But I think we want to start off with kind of what this means for the Bengals. There's a lot up in the air right now. Uh, Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach, is kind of viewed as the favorite to take over for Brian Callahan as the offensive coordinator. But he's got a lot of options, Jay. He is in high demand around the NFL. He's got interview requests out the wazoo. He could have more when other head coaching jobs get filled up. What, where do you think this all stands? I mean, Dan Pitcher, he's got a lot of options. Does he want to stay in Cincinnati? Does he want to go elsewhere? Could he follow Brian Callahan? There's a lot up in the air right now on this Bengals coaching stuff, Jay.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime you lose a coordinator, it's the, the the change. It's a bit of a hit. You know, it's breaking the continuity, whether he's a play caller or not. Um, sometimes they happen as a surprise. This was anything but. Like, the Bengals are ready for this. They're, they've got this succession plan. They gave Dan Pitcher a raise last year to keep him from jumping somewhere and taking the job he's it's a seamless transition if you if you move him in there yes he has other options but he's 37 years old and I know it's easy for people on the outside say oh why wait it's a better situation here in Cincinnati And, and it's true I really do think this is his best option but it's it's hard you know you I anybody if someone's offering you better job and more money, it's hard to say no no matter where sure. it's at. So, But I do think that, you know, you look at these other options. And, and the, the big one that we know for sure that he's already interviewed and he's going to interview again, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dennis Allen was sort of on the hot seat this offseason. If things don't go well this year, he could get fired. The whole staff could be out of a job. And then, then where's Dan okay. Pitcher in that situation? Um, Vegas, I mean historically kind of a dysfunctional ownership not historically but recently with mark davis the dysfunctional Mm. ownership um not the best quarterback situation with jimmy g um new england a wreck offensively Mm. so yeah he has options but man tying yourself to the hip of, of joe burrow and and you know you get joe burrow back for a healthy year and and this this season goes well and they have another deep playoff run and everything that you expect to happen happens nothing's guaranteed but you you have a pretty good feeling what Joe Burrow and this offense can be he might just skip the whole play calling aspect of being an offensive coordinator next offseason and jump straight to being a head coach so I do I do think that his best option is to stay put in Cincinnati and I think the Bengals are they're going to do what they need to do to to try to keep him they 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 gave him the extension last year with more money maybe they do it again I I don't know that they're going to be able to prevent him from from and maybe they don't want to from doing these interviews because mm-hmm. it is a valuable valuable experience to go talk to these sure. teams and go through that process but i, I think you're going to see the bengals do anything in their power to, to try to keep him and it's not it's not going to be like pulling teeth like i think dan mm-hmm. has a very vested interest in staying here and continuing to work with zach continue with joe burrow and it just it just feels like the the obvious succession plan. The the succession plan the Bengals never got when they when they thought Hugh was gonna take over for Marvin <laughs> Lewis. Um, this one seems more obvious. And yeah, let Dan Pitcher take his interviews, but I, I think you're gonna see ultimately see him stay here in Cincinnati for at least one more year.
0: I think it would be pretty devastating to the Bengals offensive staff to lose Brian Callahan and Dan Pitcher yes. in a single offseason. We know Zach Taylor calls the plays, but those two guys are just so critical. Mm-hmm. Dan Pitcher's known as like the third down offensive guy on this team. To lose both those voices in one offseason would be a huge problem. And there are teams that can, that can handle that sort of brain drain, right? Look at look at Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, loses mm-hmm. assistance seemingly every offseason, and he handles it, right? Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost both their coordinators last year and yes, completely fell apart. It's not the same for every team. We don't know what this Bengals team would look like if they lost both of those voices. So I think it's a good point to say hey they they did what was needed to keep pitcher here last season it's probably even more important to do so this year now that you've lost Callahan and I think you make a lot of sense Jay that yes he will have other opportunities elsewhere to call plays that he, we, we don't think he'll have that opportunity in Cincinnati maybe Zach Taylor would consider giving up offensive play calling to no. keep Dan pitcher but I think he likes calling plays mm-hmm. a little too much to do that you go to somewhere like New Orleans you're going to work with Derek Carr. I mean, we've seen, we've seen multiple coordinators try to work with Derek Carr and we've seen what happens to those coordinators. He's just, he's not an elite level talent. You you talked about the situations in in Vegas and New Orleans and and we know that there's a Marvin Lewis connection in Vegas Mm -hmm. that that you mentioned on Twitter that looks like he's going to maybe join Antonio Pierce there in Las Vegas. And he originally hired Dan Pitcher. So there, there are connections here that make sense, but even if Pitcher's not going to be calling plays, to kind of align yourself with a Joe Burrow-led offense, with these weapons, even if you're not calling the plays, you're part of that organization, you're part of that structure. It worked for Brian Callahan. It could absolutely work for Dan Pitcher. I think if, if his goal is to become a head coach eventually, there's probably not a better option than staying put in Cincinnati. Yeah, the the one thing I mean, even though the New England offense is a wreck and it's a total
1: rebuild, they have the number three pick, so he would have yeah. the option of of having a big say on who the quarterback they draft and developing that guy. And you know, you knew Burrow was going to be a star when he came in, and that, that doesn't lessen what Dan has done with him. But to and and you know, you you would probably have a good sense that if someone they took at number three overall would would have a good chance of succeeding as well. But I, I think mm-hmm. there would be a lure there where to, to to start at ground zero with a quarterback that you had a hand in selecting but I, I do. I just, I think that it makes so much more sense for, for him to stay. And if they do both leave, I mean, nothing is assured, but the, Troy Walters is thought of very highly on this staff and he would be the next one that would slide in. And, and so much of it, like what you mentioned with Philadelphia, it's not necessarily, you know, can the new guy do the job or not? It's the Mm-hmm. can he work with the current players in his new right. role it seemed like there was a big disconnect there I don't think he would have that issue with Troy Walters and yes he's never been a coordinator at the NFL level but he was a coordinator at Nebraska for two years and he was a coordinator at Central Florida for two years he took over mm-hmm. down there when Central Florida was ranked 123rd in, in scoring and 127th in yards and by year two they were first in scoring fifth in yards 13 and 0 just did an amazing job down there on, on that staff the the team that kind of didn't get a chance to play for a national title even mm-hmm. though they were 13 and 0. So he can do it and he's 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 a rising star in this league as well. Um, he's not just a wide receivers coach. So this this whole staff works together so well and it's 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 not a Zach is not a, a dictator kind of head coach. He really takes the input from from everybody and it's it's a it's a joint effort and yeah he has final say as head coach but mm-hmm. um, even if they lost both it would be a big blow but I don't think it would be devastating because Troy moves up to OC Brad Cragthorpe is only 31 by the way but another rising star in, in this profession uh, he would slide in as the quarterbacks coach um, they do have to go through the Rooney rule um, regulations of, of hiring of interviewing one at least one minority outside candidate um but you know may, maybe that throws a wrench maybe someone comes in and they they blow their socks off in the interview but, but yeah. so a lot to be seen there but it just it feels like no matter what the first or second domino is to fall that, that there is a plan in place for for succession
0: yeah and it's interesting to talk about the Rooney rule compliance too because you know there's some talk about oh maybe uh you know Dan pitcher is going to cancel his flights to vegas cancel his flights to new orleans but The Bengals are gonna have to interview an external candidate for OC, a minority candidate. And the same goes for quarterbacks coach too. The NFL amended those rules last year because that's primarily where head coaching candidates come from is from the offensive side of the ball through the quarterback coaching ranks. And they wanna make sure that candidates from underrepresented backgrounds get the chance. And it makes a lot of sense. The Bengals are gonna have to follow those rules. So they're not gonna be able to just say, hey, Dan Pitcher, you're our offensive coordinator today. That's really not an option for them. So it's really not an option for Dan Pitcher to not go take these interviews, right? Right. This is his career. He's not going to say, I'm good. I'll I'll just hope that I get this job. He probably is the favorite for the job. He obviously, that that is the plan, but it's a process. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't think Dan Pitcher can just give up these potential opportunities just hoping that he's going to get, or or even thinking he's going to get the offensive coordinator job. Um, So if if pitcher becomes the offensive coordinator, we think Brad Cragthorpe, the assistant quarterback's coach will be promoted uh, to become the quarterback's coach. Like we said, that'll take another uh, external interview candidate first before that can happen. I do wonder, is there any chance they make an, any sort of outside hire? We see, Teams hire, you know, passing game coordinators and run game coordinators and all of these offensive analysts and all these sort of title inflation roles that go around the NFL. And there are guys out there like Eric Bieniemy and other big names that are available on the coaching staff. The Bengals' offensive staff has done a wonderful job during Zach Taylor's um, tenure with with Burrow, with Brown, with Jake Browning, with kind of transforming this offense on the fly. I'm not saying they need any external help, but I do wonder after. You know, th- this group has kind of been here for a while. It's experiencing some some turnover. Is this a, a time when you maybe say, hey, let's get a new voice in here. Let's get a few new ideas. I don't know who that would be besides enemy. I would have to look at some other candidates. But I, wa- I do wonder if that's an option to hire someone from outside the organization in some sort of capacity. I think if that happens, it's probably more... Lower entry level, tie You know, another young
1: person that can rise yeah. up through the ranks. I don't know that they would bring in a senior advisor. You know, they have one on defense already in Duffner. Um, sure. I don't know they would go that that direction on offense. Um, you know, if if it is pitcher, and Brian both leaving, then you know Cragthorpe slides into the the quarterbacks. Um, the uh, the quarterback role, so you would mm-hmm. you would have his position, uh, assistant quarterbacks coach, and offensive quality control, all that you would have that open. You would have a wide receivers position open, assuming Troy Walters gets that job. So those positions would be open, and they and they would fill those. You know, Zach, he he got Mike to open up the wallet, so to speak, when he came here. They True. they expanded the staff big time. They 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 have way more coaches now than they did in, in the Marvin Lewis era. So I don't think they would shy away from from bulking up there and but I, I just I I'd be surprised on the on the offensive side to you know Zach at this point going into a six year as the play caller. Yeah. I don't it, it it almost might be disruptive to bring in kind of a senior guy. And I don't know if they need one either. They they, yeah. they have so much trust and continuity in that offensive staff that it would more likely be the, the lower level guys that can rise up through the system, learn learn the ropes and then eventually mm-hmm. three, four years from now be candidates for coordinators or head coaches.
0: And in, as much as this hire, I think that the Brian Callahan hire is about Callahan himself. I think it's, it's also a testament to Zach Taylor too, right? I mean, it's, you, you've seen the Shanahan tree, you've seen the Sean McVay tree and the, these coaches that, you know, and Zach Taylor came from that McVay tree and these coaches that just have these, these staffs that constantly get picked over by the NFL. And it, it makes you think, are the Bengals going to become that now that, that now that they're going to Super Bowls and having success every single year? It's a good thing in that this is kind of becoming a coaching staff factory if it Mm -hmm. becomes that. I mean, I think that's what you want ultimately for your team, for your your staff, for your coaches. But it's going to be tough, I think, if that happens, because it's going to be a lot of onus on Zach Taylor, I think. And can he handle it? Obviously. He already calls the plays. He already is the CEO of this team in so many different ways. But starts losing these these top kind of top lieutenants, it's going to be a different challenge than he's faced in the past. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah,
1: I mean – Right. Lou still has a chance to be a head coach in this league. I think at some point, pitcher's gonna be whether he, he yeah. skips the offensive coordinator position or not. Um, and, and then Troy's got a shot. So it, it is. It's the, the the first branch of the the Zach Taylor tree. Um, he has talked about it uh a couple weeks before the end of the season, and and we were talking, and he, not me and him personally, but he was talking to reporters on a Friday, and he he thinks this staff is is full of guys that mm-hmm. that are potential coordinator head coach material um and it, it it wasn't just you know coach speak like yeah i love all my guys like he, he was sincere yeah. about it and i it might even been something that he said when we were in a, an off the record session and it's just there's a really strong trust and belief level in this this staff and um i don't think it's i don't think it's false or inflated i, I think there's some really bright minds um and yeah i don't think brian's
0: gonna be the last one to leave this this organization to be a head coach somewhere I think it's kind of something you're seeing around the NFL, honestly, because I, I feel like in the past, teams were like were very willing to block people from interviews, and they were very intent on keeping their staff. And it's just a different NFL world. You, you saw the Rams GM, Les Snead, open up his press conference a couple yeah. of days ago with a three- or four-minute kind of testament to their defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, and why he should get a job. And I think it's great, honestly. I think it's good. You you should want all your coaches to be head coaches. You should want all your position coaches to be head Coordinators and, and and you know so on down the line it's kind of that career advancement that you want from all these coaches and it, I think it's excellent. Um, the Bengals blocked Vance Joseph
1: not long ago. It was after the 13 or 14 season. I can't remember yeah. when it was. So it, you're right that you
0: don't see that a lot anymore. You don't. Um, let's talk about Callahan in Tennessee and kind of what this means. I, you know he's he's finally getting his chance. I, I'm very happy for him. You know Jay, you've obviously talked to him in person and spent far more time with him than, than I ever have, but. I went back last night and watched that two-on-two interview that you and Paul did last year <laughs> with, with Zach Taylor and uh, and Callahan. Just highly recommend to anybody. It, great interview. Lots of stories about Brian Callahan's uh, career at UCLA or <laughs> lack thereof, I should say, and, and some, some summer camps back in the day that he and Zach Taylor used to host. Really great stuff from you and Paul. Um, really happy for Brian Callahan and you know, I think it looked like he was their number one target in Tennessee, and they, mm-hmm. he had interviews elsewhere. He was scheduled to interview with other teams, and they didn't let him leave the building. I think you can see why the Titans specifically would be interested in a guy like Brian Callahan, right? Think about who they're moving away from. It's Mike Vrabel, former defensive player, strong-willed guy, hard-headed guy from everything you read in these reports that, you know, maybe a little bit of dissension in the ranks with, with Rand Carthon, who took over as GM last year. Now you're hiring a guy in Brian Callahan, who by no means am I saying he's a pushover, but I'm saying he's a collaborator. That I think that's what he's known for within this Bengals building. And that's what this whole Bengals staff is known for is collaboration. So now you've got a guy who isn't gonna say, hey, this is the way it's done. This is how we're doing it. It's a guy who's saying, hey, how, how should we work as a group? How should we work as a team to get the best kind of results out on the field? I think it makes sense why they would go with someone like Callahan, having spent these last what five, six years with someone like Vrabel in charge.
1: Yeah, and, and just look at that division. I mean, C.J. Stroud in Texas, in Houston, is is a number two overall pick. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville is a number one overall pick. What was Anthony Richardson three? I mean, Four. Yeah. In the, for the Colts, so they've got to get the quarterback spot right if they're going to compete in the Titans. So it makes sense to bring a, a guy of Callahan's background, uh, who, who's specialized in working with quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford. Derek Carr, um, Burrow, obviously. So Jake Browning. Jake Browning. I mean, yes. That, I mean, that is a huge reason I it think why well, he got the job this year is the job they did with him those final seven mm-hmm. games. Agreed. So it, it makes sense. And I was talking to someone who's you know, a media member in, in Tennessee that's plugged in with the organization, and, and he had said yesterday that they just they finished their Rooney Rule obligations, and Callahan was the only one they were bringing in for a second interview, and then. We heard it. They got him in there, and they said, "You're not leaving until so they they wouldn't yeah. let him leave the building." He he had interviews elsewhere, um, and they hired him. They they came to the deal last night to to lock him in. Um, I think he had a real shot to be the guy in Carolina had he gone on that uh, interview. So um, Tennessee loved what they heard from him in in the interview process. It like before liked him before they even in, invited yeah. him for interviews, and it just makes sense. Um, it's a great spot for Brian because. Yeah, I mean Will Levis, who knows. It, it, can he do yeah. something with him or not? But that even though that division is is on the come all those other three teams, there's no real juggernauts there. Or you know, maybe maybe Houston turns into one, maybe Jacksonville does. But you also look at they Tennessee's got the third most cap space of any team available. He can go down there. He can make that instant impact and it's not like the titans have been dregs for a while i mean they were the mm. number one seed two years ago when the bengals <laughs> upset them they've got a playoff pedigree they've lost some pieces you know from byard's gone Tannehill's probably on his way out uh, derrick henry might be gone there, there's a lot of yeah it, it turned over fast there but there yeah. is still that's that's a, a franchise that has a, a winning pedigree over the last few years even though the last two were below par which is while vrabel's mm-hmm. gone so i think it's I think it's of the, of the possible landing spots, it was the best one for Brian Callahan.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had, it looked, had interviews with Atlanta and the Chargers, and we'll get into who we think is going to take those jobs later. But, it, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of a chance he actually had in those mm-hmm. cities. Tennessee looked like the best option. And I, I am interested to see how this offense looks next year. You know, I think... Callahan's going to finally get his chance to call plays. I'm, I'm assuming. I, I guess we don't know that for yeah, sure, but would. I, I would assume that he wants the chance to, to do that after not doing that in Cincinnati. Will Levis had his moments, but, you know, it seems like the Titans think he's the guy or at least going to give him a chance this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't they? They drafted him earlier in the second round. The Titans do have the seventh overall pick in the first round. I mean... Maybe a quarterback falls in that, that they're interested mm-hmm. in. I kind of doubt it with Levis on the roster. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is still on the roster. Traylon Burks is a former first-round pick. Chigo Conquo is interesting. Tajay Spears is interesting. I think there are pieces that Callahan can work with. The problem is that the Titans have, like, the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably going to cut Andre Dillard, who was they're their supposed to be their starting left tackle this year. There's a lot of work to be done. But I, but I think that can be interesting. I think for a younger guy like Callahan who – you know, he came came up in an NFL coaching world with his dad, Bill Callahan, as an NFL head coach. He's probably got a lot of ideas on how he wants to run a team and to start something from ground zero, I think, is really interesting.
1: And what um, better way to build that offensive line than bring his dad? I don't I don't know what his contract situation is in Cleveland, but I just can't imagine he, the Browns <laughs> would block him from going and yeah. joining his son's staff and. Yeah,
0: maybe because the Browns are changing. They, are, I mean, they're changing their offensive coordinator. They're they're changing staff. It seems like if there's any time, they'd say, "Hey, go go coach with your son." Yeah. And this would be it. And, and the assistant yeah. O
1: line coach in Cleveland has been there for four years. He's ready to slide yeah. into that role. So it just it makes too much sense. Um, and maybe that's where Jonah Williams ends up because he's he's not staying in Cincinnati, and the the Titans could use him. They've got a lot of cap space. He's familiar with Brian and, and the scheme. Obviously, that would make a lot of sense.
0: Jay, you took the words right out of
1: my mouth. That was going
0: to be my next point, so thank <laughs> you. Uh, and, and I'm also wondering, like, what co- could he take? Coaches? Could Callahan take coaches? Like, I, I don't think Dan Pitcher is going to follow him. He's no. not going to go to a worse situation to not call plays. Could he take Troy Walters? Could he take Steve Craigthorpe? Could he take uh, James Betcher to come call the defensive side? I, we don't know. And this is all part of that brain drain that we talked about before. That you're happy for a guy like Callahan, obviously, and you and you want this to happen, but he's probably going to take some people with him, coaches, players. Who knows, if he ta- who knows if he drags a front office guy with him? Not that there are that many to steal from in yes. Cincinnati, but there are, there are a lot of people that he could bring with him, and it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for all those people, but it will surely affect the Bengals. I, I think one thing that we have to talk about is T. Higgins. I mean, the Titans could use a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's going to happen this offseason, but they do have the 38th overall pick in the second round franchise tag and trade. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, yeah. who knows. I think that'd be a decently fair price for for one year of T Higgins and then if he becomes a free agent after that, I I think you have to look at the Titans as like an obvious suitor for T down the line now with Brian there. Yeah, with Brian there and
1: if that's his goal is to go somewhere and be a number 1, Tennessee's a great place to no start. Better place. They do not have anything close to a number 1 after getting rid of AJ Brown last year. So, yeah, I I I don't know. I I, I I kind of with you where it just feels like this is moving towards T getting tagged and the Bengals Mm -hmm. forcing him to, not forcing him, but he's not going to turn down twenty one million. He'll sign it begrudgingly, like Jesse Bates did. He'll play the season. Um, So it just it's feeling more and more likely like T will be back this year on that on the franchise tag. Who knows? Maybe they come to an extension, but I think that's more of a long shot. But, yeah, yeah, as far as coaches, I, I could see Craig Thorpe going with him, um, you know, for a, a better job in Tennessee than he has yeah. it, here in Cincinnati. Um, I don't know that Troy Walters would follow. Um, and and Betcher's an interesting proposition because he, he is really the only one on this Bengals defensive staff that would – makes sense to slide into the the coordinator role if Lou was to ever leave. Yeah. Um,
0: so he's been a coordinator before with the Cardinals. He's he, so he's got that experience mm-hmm. and yeah, I just wonder if he'd be a, a guy who Callahan would take with him. I don't know. I'm not he, he's been at you know, Callahan's been in the NFL for a long time. His dad's been in the NFL for a right. long time. I can't imagine there's a there's many guys his age with a bigger Rolodex of available coaches who might want to come work with mm-hmm. him. So I I think he'll have a lot of options, a lot of guys that he could bring in. I would love to see Bill Callahan go with him. I, I think he would do. It, it'd be kind of an interesting experiment, right? Send you know arguably the greatest offensive line coach in NFL history to the NFL's worst offensive line yeah. and see what happens. Yes. You know how much? What what kind of job can he do with with this type of line? I'd be interested to see that. And, and um, how many
1: waves would it create if you know? Because Brian came to the Bengals from the Raiders. He worked for John Gruden. And now what if he goes down there and hires John Gruden as his, like, senior offensive yeah. analyst or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines? That would that would create some waves in the NFL, especially with Gruden currently suing the NFL.
0: Absolutely. I think the other players that, that I think that the Titans could consider, maybe a receiver. I, I don't know that. The, so the Titans are, are, are kind of in a rebuild, right? I mean, I think they're going for younger players. Mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd isn't exactly a guy who you would fit in with a team like that, especially when they already have DeAndre Hopkins. But – you do wonder, like, would you bring in a veteran who's been been with Callahan, who's been with the Bengals, to help these younger guys develop the system and to kind of build the culture? You're, you're not just bringing that scheme knowledge. You're saying, hey, this is how we did things in Cincinnati. This is how we kind of revamped our building. This is what we're going to do in Tennessee. Maybe, and, and maybe if you don't want to do it with Tyler Boyd, maybe you do it with someone like Trent Irwin, who's not going to cost as much, who's you know he's not going to demand starting time, but he's been with Callahan and maybe kind of like a liaison to the players, right? I I just wonder if that's something that he might consider. Yeah, I mean, Irwin wouldn't have the
1: the cachet that Boyd would, but both would give him what they kind of need because you're talking about Will Levis, a young quarterback, Mm -hmm. and what's important for those guys are are the the tight ends and the slot guys that, you know, the the possession over the middle type of, Receivers that they, they can always lean on for an outlet when they have to get rid of the ball quick and things aren't working out. And I do I think Boyd would be a good fit down there. Um, I don't know as a free agent and he can move on. He is getting up there age wise. I know players don't always see that as realistically as it is. So I don't know mm-hmm. if his goal would be to go somewhere that's more ready to win right away. But yeah. the connection with Brian uh, is is an obvious attraction there, and it would be interesting to see if if he goes that route.
0: Yeah, you know, we've we talked about all the tight ends in the Bengals roster are free agents, too. So maybe mm-hmm. Brian could take I don't think he's going to take Irv Smith after this season. No. But, and, and please don't take my, my, you know, my guy Tanner Hudson. But <laughs> there, there's some other tight ends on the, on this team that I think he could take. And then maybe Jake Browning down the line eventually. <laughs> you know, I think we saw Jake Browning have success with Brian Callahan on this offense. I, like I said, I think they'll give Will Levis one more year, but... And Jake Browning's not exactly young. He's not 22 years old or anything. He's he's getting up there too. But I wonder if that's a guy. Maybe next year the Titans are in a position where they can't draft a quarter young quarterback and they don't like Levis. Who knows? Maybe maybe Browning could end up there someday as a restricted free agent or, or something like that. We don't know. Yeah, and the Bengals can. I mean, even though they don't they won't have total control
1: like they do this year as an exclusive rights free agent, but as a restricted yeah. free agent, they would still have a big say and yeah. the tag they put on and would would make it difficult for another team to try to sign him away.
0: One, one last uh, coach I'm kind of interested to see if Brian Callahan uh, brings with him, Liam Cohen, who was Will Levis' offensive coordinator at Kentucky and used to be the Rams' offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of overlap in kind of the McVay-Shanahan system and with Will Levis. I don't, I don't know if those guys have a, a relationship at all, but I, I would be interested to see if maybe Cohen would be a guy he could bring as his OC to Tennessee. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy for Brian. I think it's going to be a really interesting opp- opportunity I'd be very surprised if they're competitive in year one uh, with Brian Callahan in charge, but to to go there and build something, it's a lot. It's a lot like where Zach Taylor started with Cincinnati. Honestly, it's it's almost a very similar position moving on from a established coach who'd been there. Mike Vrabel hadn't been in Tennessee nearly as long as Marvin Lewis had been in Cincinnati, but it's a similar type of of situation and. I think it's really exciting to watch, to watch a guy like Brian who's one of this opportunity, who's who's been so close to those opportunities in years past, and to get a chance with a franchise that's kind of building from the ground up and see what he can do with, yeah. him, with that organization. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Um, let's talk about the rest of these jobs, Jay. So we've got five NFL head coaching jobs available. Three have been taken. The Patriots promoted Gerard Mayo to be head coach. The Raiders removed the interim tag to make uh, Antonio Pierce their full-time head coach. And then obviously Brian Callahan went to the Titans. We've got five Jobs left, Atlanta, Los Angeles Chargers, Commanders, Seattle Seahawks, and the Panthers. I just want to go through and get, get do some predictions here. Let's have a little fun and say who we think is going to take these jobs. I'm going to start with a couple that I think are a little easier in Atlanta. I, I think this one's a little obvious, Jay. Yeah, Jay. I mean, do you? Do you they've interviewed a ton of candidates. I think they're up to 14 candidates at this point, but who do you think they're going to hire? Yeah, well, you know, I think
1: that they're going to do Belichick. I just, I don't know if he's off the board on the vegas books but there's some offshore mm. books that took the falcons and the charger jobs off off the uh, mm. off the board today so it, it feels like something's moving and it's it, it, yeah. it either something's happening or it's just so much of a favorite that it, it doesn't make sense for them to even put odds on it so it, it, yeah. it feels like that's the direction that's gonna go is is belichick
0: to atlanta and uh it'll be fun to watch I think so too. I mean, it's Arthur Blank is what, 82 years old, the Falcons owner. He wants a winner. I think he's sick of of waiting for this process. He wants Belichick and Belichick's not interviewing anywhere else that that I'm aware of. So I I don't think if you're the NFL's greatest coach, you're probably not taking an interview unless you think you have the job locked up. I'd be very surprised if Belichick doesn't go there. The other one that I think is maybe not necessarily sewn up, but it seems like it's going in that direction is the Chargers. And Seems like everything's pointing to Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's going to do an, supposed to do a second interview this week. He just won the championship at Michigan. What, what does he have left to do in the college ranks? Pr- pretty much nothing. He can come and take what I think is the best job uh, available this offseason, only because Justin Herbert is on the team. There's a lot of other questions on that Chargers roster, but I think the opportunity to coach Justin Herbert is probably too much for Harbaugh to pass yeah. up. I think he's the obvious candidate there. I don't. Is, you, you're kind of yeah, on the Yeah, same, same way. There. I think that's why it's off
1: the board and. Yeah. You know,
0: it's it's
1: uh, next year. I I think we can pencil in two primetime games because the Ravens go to oh, the yes. Chargers, so Harbaugh versus Harbaugh sounds ideal for primetime, and then the Bengals go to Tennessee, so that feels like a a Thursday night game for sure with the, the short oh, travel absolutely. distance. Not necessarily the sexiest team in the Titans, um, so yeah. I, I I do feel like that. It, who knows? It could be a one o'clock season opener in week one. Yeah. But yeah, it, it feels like a week three, week two, week three, week four, Thursday night game.
0: Yeah. Get that Amazon Prime. We can watch on Amazon Prime Vision and yeah. get all the little the fun stuff. All right. Next job, Washington Commanders. Another interesting one. They've already hired a GM. They hired Adam Peters from the 49ers. This one, it, it, it feels a little predetermined to me. It feels like they're waiting on Ben Johnson. He's yeah. the Lions offensive coordinator. feels like he's been their number one candidate from from day 1 Josh Harris the new Commanders owner is is going forward and kind of opening his pocketbooks to get the best candidates this offseason. I I'd be surprised if Johnson doesn't end up there when the Lions playoff run ends.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. I, that was my pick. It, it, Josh Harris came in and made changes immediately. Bam bam bam. New, went in and just started doing what he wanted to do and now yeah. they're it seems like they're lagging a little bit in finding the head mm-hmm. coach and I think that is the reason is they may have already decided on Ben Johnson, but it's kind of like when the Bengals had already decided on Zach Taylor. You yeah. can't announce it until after the, the team
0: is done. So maybe that's Monday uh, or maybe it's February 13th. And Washington got the number what number two overall pick, tons of cap space. I think that, that'll be a good situation to build from as well. All right, two jobs left, and I left these for last because I think these are the ones that are still kind of up in the air. We've got Seattle and we've got Carolina Jay, who do you think is going to go to Seattle? There's there's one name out there that I think everyone's pointing to. I who do who do you have for this job?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are pointing to Dan Quinn. Uh that's where he came from. But I think it's Vrabel. I, I just oh, okay. I, I, I think the he, he kind of is in the Pete Carroll mold. Um I maybe, maybe not as good offensively, but I just he's got a winning pedigree he's got all the respect in the world it just feels like he would fit really well you know look at the those Tennessee games they they just found ways to make them muddy and tough and and Zach and Brian always talked about how it always felt like an AFC North kind of game and you're going out there to to play those explosive offenses in San Francisco and and the Rams and and I still think the Cardinals have a chance to I, I'm really impressed with what Gannon did. I know they didn't have a great year, but I thought that was going to be an absolutely train wreck of a season. Thought Brian and Lou both dodged a bullet by not taking that job. So I, I like, I think Vrabel would be a really good fit in, in Seattle.
0: I could see that too. The, the thing is they have not requested to interview. Not that they would have to request interview him because he's not employed, but mm-hmm. he, he has not been a part of their interview list. He very well still could be, because I think they're still going through the yeah. searches, but I I don't know. I, I so I, I think Dan Quinn was is kind of the guy everyone's pointing to, but I'm kind of wondering if John Schneider, who's their GM, wants to do his own thing. He he's been on basically he's the GM, but he's been under Pete Carroll for their, their entire tenure. Pete Carroll's had final say on 53-man roster, on draft picks, and free agent signings, everything. John Schneider is finally getting his turn to kind of do things that he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't want to hire Dan Quinn, who worked under Pete Carroll. who was a Pete Carroll acolyte who was there when they won the Super Bowl might feel like a little bit like going back to Pete Carroll 2.0. So I actually stuck with someone in the division, and I went with the Rams' defensive coordinator, Raheem Morse. Yeah. I think this guy deserves a head coaching job almost more than anyone in the NFL. Yeah. He's, he, he was an NFL head coach at 32. remember he was the Buccaneers' head coach a long, like, what, 15 years ago? He's coached in college. He's coached offense and defense in the NFL level. How often do you ever see that? He was the Rams' defensive coordinator during their Super Bowl run the most impressive thing he might have done was this season. I mean, how many guys in the Rams defense can most people name on the Rams defense? Can most people name besides Aaron Donald? Not many. Yeah. And they were a middle of the pack unit that made it to the playoffs and did relatively good work. I think Raheem Morris is everything you'd want in a head coach. The Seahawks have seen what he's done in that division for the past three years. So I, I think he's a very strong candidate in Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised if they go with him. Yeah. I like it. And it's a head uh,
1: start too. I mean, he knows Seattle very well yeah. being in that division and, you know, and I wonder, I, I would have to go back and look, I wonder how many head coach hires, you know, they go from one job in a division to the other,
0: to another team yeah. in a division. It doesn't
1: seem like it happens a lot.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. That, that would be interesting. The last job is Carolina. Now, <laughs> this job, I, I did a ranking of the, of the available openings at the beginning of the season. Carolina was last. This, I, I just... David Tepper is is a problem is the owner yes. I mean I can't imagine when and so they just hired they promoted Dan Morgan to GM he was their assistant GM I just don't understand that move at all like are you happy with how this organization has been run over the past few years you're going to promote a guy who's who's been there and was reportedly part of the decision to draft Bryce Young over CJ Stroud I mean it's not the way I would have gone but that, that's the way they went and I It opens up a lot of interesting avenues, I think. I'm not sure that Carolina is going to be able to get their number one candidate, who I I think was Ben Johnson Mm. last year, I think is probably Ben Johnson this year. But why would he go there when he has so many other opportunities? I put Bobby Slowick there, the Houston Texans offensive coordinator. Uh, You know, I think he did a good job with Stroud this year. He's young. He only has one year of coordinating experience. but. He comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. He spent his entire career in San Francisco. We've seen how guys like Mike McDaniel have done in the NFL and the success they've had. Bobby Sloak's dad was, a, was an NFL defensive coordinator, so he, he's got that. Bobby Sloak worked at PFF. I used to listen to him on the <laughs> PFF pod all the time, so he's got the analytical background. I don't know that he's like the perfect head coaching candidate, and maybe he should stay in Houston one more year and get a little more seasoning, yeah. but – I don't know who Carolina's going to hire. Honestly, I'm, I'm not sure. There, there's, I don't know who would take this job.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's too early for Slowick. I, I think he's going to be a head coach, but just one year as uh, OC, as great as it was, um, I, I don't, I, I, think it's still too early for him. Um, I put Kellen, excuse me, Kellen Moore. I just, oh, interesting. I, I kind of get why they hired the the assistant GM because he's Tepper's just been burning. There's been no continuity there. He's just been burning through coaches and he probably realizes, Hey, we do need some sort of stability and you've got to, I think it's got to be an offensive minded guy to can come in, you know, Kellen Moore played the position. I just, I, I, I don't know that he's the best pick, but when has Tepper ever made the right decision? Right. Anyhow, he's got a history of this. <laughs> so I yeah. do. I think Ben Johnson would be the much better pick, but um, he's going to have options. Um, and it just, it, it feels like, you know, if, you know, if, if there's you got a coaching change, I don't know, is, did the Chargers fire
0: everybody or did they just fire? Because is, is, is they, Moore still under they, contract they, out there? They they, they Kellen Moore, uh, I think the Bears wanted to hire, wanted to interview Kellen Moore for coordinator and the Chargers blocked okay. that request but they can't block head coaching stuff. They can only block other coordinator
1: stuff. Yeah, so, you know, if if, if Harbaugh comes in, he's going to want his probably his own guy. And yeah. it just makes sense with a, a number one overall pick quarterback that you, you want someone with that that quarterback background to, to kind of help mold him. And I, I think Kellen Moore would be a, a good choice, maybe not the best choice there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you that Carolina is definitely going to go for an offensive coach. Mm. But the other guy I thought about putting here was Todd Monken, the Ravens' offensive coordinator. I just wonder, you know, they hired Frank Reich last year, older offensive guy. I hate to—we've talked about it with Lou and Romo that you know Todd Monken's in his in his late fifties. He's done an amazing job at every stop he's been in, college or pro. But you just wonder, you know, are they, do they want to hire an older guy after hiring Frank Reich last year? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting jobs left. I, I think Brian Callahan did well to get the Tennessee job because I, I'm not sure. If you would have been the number one candidate anywhere else, I think one name that we're kind of leaving out here that's interesting is the Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who I, I keep wanting to think that he's going to get a job and absolutely deserves a job. I mean, no, hardly any coordinator has been as impressive as him this season, but just not sure where he's going to fit. I, I actually thought he might go to Tennessee, but that, that's obviously not going to happen. Maybe he could fit in Seattle. Carolina, like we said, is going to look for an offensive guy. Unfortunately, the Bengals might have to face Mike McDonald's defense for another, another season, yeah. which I think they're probably not too happy about. But. So we'll see how that goes. This, this week, I think, will be a big week for coaching, hires. You know, the, these guys that are still in the conference championships games, they'll have to, they'll have to wait to be hired until after those mm-hmm. games are complete or maybe the Super Bowl are, is complete. But a lot of coaching news to come up in these next few weeks. Jay, let's talk about those conference championship games. Let's let's go over our bets that we had last week and we'll give a couple uh, picks for this week's conference championships games, which I think should be good ones. I think they oh, should yeah. be great games. Um, how, how did we do last week on our bets, Jay?
1: No, I finally got to the positive side of the ledger, and then I went 0-2. <laughs> I had a 49ers, Packers over, uh, 50 and a half. It did not get there, so I lost that. I had Bills minus two and a half, so I lost that one. Um, you had Houston plus 9, which looked really good at halftime, but yes, then it did. got blown out. Um, you had Lions minus 6, so they held on there, so... You're you're holding steady at minus 20 for the season. I'm down to minus six for the season. So this is getting tight heading into the to the home
0: stretch. All right. I am going to just my bets are going to be the spreads for both of these games. I'll start with my first one. AFC championship game. Ravens are favored by three and a half. I think they'll cover. I'm going to go Baltimore 28, Kansas City 21 think it'll be a great game. You can never count out Patrick Mahomes. Defense is playing really well, but I just can't count with the Ravens right now. Lamar Jackson looks incredible. Defense looks incredible. I, I do not trust these Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers against this Ravens defense in any, any capacity. Uh, I think all attention will be devoted to Travis Kelsey. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing how the, the Chiefs will put up enough points, and that's that's crazy to say with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But I just I I, I think the Ravens are kind of on a on a runaway train right now, and I think they'll they'll pull this one out.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna make that one of mine too. Uh, although three and a half just scares me, and I I mean I guess you could buy it down to two and a half, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Ravens money line, and I'm I'm still gonna pick them to cover the spread, but I don't want to. I don't want to put my money there, my fictional money. Um, I am gonna, I am gonna stagger these picks though. I'm, I'm gonna put 14 of the 20 units on the Ravens money line, um, okay. and then I'll save the six for the, for the NFC game. Um, I, you know, I've got Ravens 26, Chiefs 20, but okay. I don't want to, I don't want to give up <laughs> three and a half points if we're, if it's, if something's on the line. But I do, I agree yeah. with you. I think um, number PFF's number two safety and coverage is kyle hamilton Hamilton, he is gonna be all over travis kelsey um the the roquan smith and patrick queen are fantastic linebackers i think they can help neutralize pacheco um Mm -hmm. it's i mean patrick mahomes could put it on his shoulders and we've seen him do it before and and pull this off but i just i think the ravens are too good i'm they just feel destined to make the super bowl this year
0: in the NFC, I'm actually going to go not with the chalk. I'm going to go with an upset in this wow. one. I, I, I think it's going to be very close. San Francisco is favored by seven. I, I think that's too many points. I, I really do. I, I think Detroit. So Detroit is number one in the league in run defense, DVOA. I, I think they can maybe not stop Christian McCaffrey because no one is going to stop Christian McCaffrey. But I think they'll have a, a better chance against CMC than most teams have. So then you're putting it on Brock Purdy, which He can obviously do it. He can operate this system, but he might not have Debo Samuel. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. That means Jawan Jennings is out there. How how does that affect how this offense works? I've just been so impressed by Detroit's offense. We we spent this whole episode talking about Ben Johnson, what they do on offense. I think it's going to be close, and I have Detroit winning 31-30. I think it's going to be a shootout. I I think there will be a lot of points scored in this game, and I I just – The thing I keep coming back to is Kyle Shanahan is not a good game manager. We saw it at the end of the first half in their win over the Packers. He just doesn't seem to have a good idea of how to manage end of halves, to do timeouts, when to go for two. And there's really nobody better in the NFL at doing that than Dan Campbell. We saw it in their their victory. We we saw that he is constantly making the optimal decisions. I think if this is a close game, that could could give Detroit the edge. So I'm going to go Detroit 31, San Francisco 30 with the upset. You mentioned Juwan Jennings. Can
1: I do a quick Bengals story for Juwan Jennings? Of course. So, in 2020, the Senior Bowl, the Bengals were coaching it, and uh, one of the stories I wanted to do that week was I just wanted to follow the coaching staff around for they and Brian and Zach let me sit in all of their meetings, and it was it was just great. It was a great inside look and all that. And then one thing that that Zach did in that game is he let Brian call the plays in the Senior Bowl, mm. and at the end of the game, uh, Juwan Jennings suggested to brian a play that ended up being a touchdown for jawan jennings uh he was at tennessee coming out of tennessee at the time they did not win the game that made it they either put him in the lead and they lost it or that got him into a one-score position but i i always remember that where you know here here's the guy finally getting a chance to call plays and yeah it's a senior bowl it's not a lot line, but he listened to a player suggest a play and it worked out for a touchdown so i just i thought that was kind of cool um
0: Juan Jennings is a restricted free agent. Maybe we should be talking about Head him to to Tennessee.
1: Tennessee.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's an absolutely incredible blocker. I will say that he yeah. was destroying people in the run game against the Packers. Um, so, Jay, how, do you do you see this game the same way I do? Or are you going with the chalk? Nah,
1: I'm going with the chalk. I think the Lions cover. Um, okay, you know it is interesting though. I, I I looked at this and you know since 1970, home teams in championship games are 72 and 34. I, you know almost 70%. That's that's massive. Mm-hmm. But since 2018, home teams are just 6 and 4 in these games. And in 3 mm. of the last 5 years, or you know, one of the road teams has won. So I don't if I had to pick which road team was most likely to win, I'd probably go Kansas City. I just feel you know, Detroit, it's a great story. It's not like they went from rags to riches because they had a pretty good year last year. They missed the playoffs by one game, but still, first time in the playoffs. Amazing atmosphere at Ford Field. Now they go on the road for the first time. I just I don't know that they're they're ready for this. Although the Debo injury is huge. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. I can probably count on one hand the number of guys that would have almost a quarterback like impact. Uh, if they missed a game, you know, you think of like Tyreek Hill, guys like that. Yeah. And, and Debo is one of those. So if, if he doesn't play, that changes things a lot, but, um, teams favored by seven or more in conference championship games are five and 11 against the spread since 2000. So hmm. I'm going to go with San Fran 27, 24. I think the Lions keep it close. Keep it interesting. But I just think San Francisco has the experience. They've been in these championship games uh, multiple times. First time for the Lions. Uh, nice springboard for them this year. Nice, nice deep run. But I think it comes to an end on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could see it. Obviously, I think it'll be a very close game, and I think it'll be I, these are these are probably like the the four teams that I that I wanted. Maybe Buffalo, but these are probably the four teams that I wanted to see in these championship games. I mean the four of the best teams in the league. I think we were looking at all season, you know, the kind of how everybody was kind of jumbled up and it seemed like there wasn't this dominant team for a lot of the season. But I think the, these four teams are right among that elite group all season that I'm glad that we're getting to see these games. I, I don't think, we saw those huge blowouts with 17 plus margin in the in the wild card round, and these divisional round featured much better games. Hopefully, these championship games will be will be as close as they were this past weekend. Yeah, I was hoping it'd be
1: Buffalo Baltimore. I just thought that would have been a more intriguing game. Um, that was of the four games. That's the one my wife actually sat down and watched with me. She just she loves the whole connection between the the Cincinnati and Buffalo fan bases going back to the mm-hmm, Dalton thing mm-hmm. and the Demar Hamlin thing. Sure. And, uh, so. It was, I just hate the way that game ended with with Tyler Bass missing the field goal. I would have much yeah, rather it been one of those quarterbacks making a play to win the game yeah. and um just feel awful for the kicker. Um but yep, we got I, it, for people watching this, I obviously you're fans. I don't know who they're going to root for. I mean, it's cl- it's the classic case of the lesser <laughs> of two evils cuz it's so tough. They hate the Chiefs and they hate the Ravens. One of them has to win. I know. I know. Are Bengals fans going to be
0: rooting for the NFC team in the I Super so. Bowl? I get. Regardless, I mean, I guess that's what it, that's what it's going to come but down do, to.
1: I don't know. Do they root for the Lions to to finally break their finally get their first title before
0: the Bengals get it? I yeah. maybe
1: the Bengals are stuck rooting for the Forty Nine ers who broke fans, their heart yeah. in two Super Bowls.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's not great. It, it's not a great playoffs for the Bengals. That's for sure. Uh, you know, well. Bengals fans look forward to next year. We can hope that (laughs) the Bengals will be, will be in this, be in this conversation next year, but still enjoy these games. I think it'll be, it'll be great to to watch these games. I mean, it's the the best time of year watching these playoff games and these elite quarterbacks and and coordinators who might get head coaching jobs. There's so much going on. Um, Jay, anything else before we sign off? I mean, we'll, we'll be back next week. I'm, by then, I would think we'll have the news on, on who the Bengals' OC is going to be this season, and, and probably see how this coaching staff is going to shake out. Hopefully, I mean, we don't we don't know. This is, this could be a longer, drawn out process. I wrote a little bit about this about that this week on PFN about why this year's cycle is taking a little longer, and some of these coaching pools are 14, 15 candidates. It's it's yeah. much bigger candidates than we've seen in years past. So, um, anything else before we sign off, Jay, and, and kind of look ahead to next week? No, no, I think we've covered it all. I, I, I do agree with you. I think by this time next week we
1: will know uh, whether it's Dan Pitcher or Troy Walters or maybe a wild card candidate. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, looking forward to to watching Brian's introductory press conference in Tennessee. I'm sure he will have his young children with him there. Who knows? Maybe his dad will be by his side there too. Uh, just, maybe <laughs> just uh, you know, really happy for that guy. It's uh, he's been he's done a great job, obviously, but he has been so accessible to the media. Um, yeah. and you know, I, there was never a time that I texted or called him where he didn't return it almost immediately. So, um, you know, you're not supposed to root in this business, but you root for good things to happen to good people. And
0: Brian is good people. I think he will be missed by all, by the team, by the media, by fans, by everybody. So good, good luck to Brian. I'm sure we'll talk about him as the, as the offseason and next season progresses. Um, until next week, that's all for us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you give us a review, give us a like, give us a subscribe, all the good things that you know how to do. Thank you so much for listening every week. We will talk to you next week.